What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode four of FFB Unwrapped Fantasy Football with Perry Aston. I'm joined by Adam Stark. Also, a special guest today, Jonders FPT. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm psyched to be on today. Of course. Hey, what's up? How you doing, Perry? I'm doing well. How are you, Adam? Happy birthday. I know it's his 21st birthday last night, so he was out celebrating, doing his thing. Just happy you were able to make uh, this episode <laughs> with us. I don't blame yeah, you. It, if you were at home, I wouldn't blame you. If you were at the, if you're on the toilet, I'd be like, yo, man, you just stay there, get better, drink some Pedialyte, you hit me on episode five. But I, you know, Adam's a trooper. So let's start with some crazy news for Josh Gordon. But before we jump right in, I want to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter at FFB Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at Perry Aston. You can follow Adam on Twitter at EverydayFFB and Jonders, our special guest, at JondersFPT. He has his own podcast, Forward Past Thinking. Definitely go check that out on Apple Podcasts. Talk to me a little bit, Jonders, about what you do. I know your content online. I love it. We've been following each other on Twitter for quite a while, and I finally hit you up to bring you on. Well, uh, the Wednesday show is kind of flagship show. This week we have Laura Fitzpatrick of Ponytails talking pigskins, and next week we'll have Chris, uh, Chris Westling of NFL.com. Very excited to have him on. We also talk about gambling lines on that Wednesday show, and then uh, Friday we get people ready for the weekend, and on Monday morning we recap the weekend. So we kind of uh, all-encompassing show there. That's And that's what some shows are so great with. They stay with it all week, so no matter what, you always have an episode coming out. Some of my favorite fantasy podcasts that I personally listen to, I listen to it every other day on my way to work, on my way back. I know me and Adam put one out once a week, do kind of a full recap. Here on Unwrapped, we have the NBA, NFL, FFB, and we just started a college football one as well. Got a ton going on at the Sports Network. Our website's dropping soon. Going to have all of our special guests, all of podcasts embedded, all of the articles that we're going to have going up too. So we have a ton of stuff going on, and you need to go check out Forward Pass Thinking. You hear what John Drews is saying. He's got you all week, four times a week. He's on there giving you recaps, predictions, whatever that may be, gambling, everything that's going on around sports. John Drews, FPT, you need to check it out. All right, guys, let's jump right into Josh Gordon and the fact that he's a New England Patriot. That is insane, and he's practicing today. He's healthy. His hamstring's just fine, and he's wearing number 10. Of course, Tom Brady's got a strong hold on that number 12. Guys, what do you think about Josh Gordon's fantasy value moving forward? John Drews, what, what, what does it mean? You know, I was, I'm, gonna, I'm about to name drop it. I was texting my buddy Mark Sessler from NFL.com, and they were on the NFL podcast about this uh, Josh Gordon news, and, you know, I, I just Mark the question, is Tom Brady actually better now than he was in 2007 when with Randy Moss, and he got back to me with, he's physically the same and only smarter, so, man, I think that you, they can light the league on fire. If Josh Gordon can keep his head on straight, which I know is a big ask, it's his biggest, or it's his best wide receiver since Randy Moss, and now instead of Wes Welker in the middle, it's... Uh, Gronk, who I think is a thousand times better. So uh, watch out, AFC. You know, the Patriots are here again. I mean, Tom Brady's got a ton of weapons now, especially out of the backfield with Burkhead, you know, Sonny Michel, and now you're going to add Edelman back in the mix, coming off a of suspension, Gronk up the middle, like you're saying, just an absolute beast, so hard to guard. And you have Josh Gordon flying down the sidelines. This is his best weapon since Randy Moss, and that's very high praise that, you know, your source at NFL.com said about him. That's huge. If, and that's only if, Josh Gordon stays on the field this year and stays out of trouble, he has fantasy top 10 receiver upside. In Tom Brady's offense, with a banged-up offensive line and a banged-up running back core, this is the perfect piece to add. When they filtered through 200 different receivers the last you know, month or two trying to find someone that's going to fit in this Bill Belichick system, you know, they go out and find a completely un-Bill Belichick player, a guy like Josh Gordon, but he's not going to find any weed in New England. He is going to have to focus. Bill Belichick cuts people, you know, like nothing. So I think if and only if he takes this opportunity seriously and stays on the field and stays out of trouble, this can be the best thing to ever happen to him. But this also could be his last stop if he continues doing what he's doing. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, one thing I thought was kind of funny, Vegas had a plus 140 line on him making it to on the raster till week 17. So that would be, you'd have to bet $100 to only win 40. So Vegas is saying it's highly, highly unlikely Josh Gordon will be there come week 17. I think he could be there, but there's always that chance you never know. 
because of his past. I definitely think I'm going to need to see a prove-it game before I, I really buy into him, but I definitely think he's got the talent and the capability of going off. He's got the potential, and I want to ask you guys what this means for the other receivers in New England, you know, Chris Hogan, Dorsett, Patterson. What does this mean for them? Who is now fantasy irrelevant? I think Dorsett's the big loser here because he was kind of going to take that role, the deep threat and all that stuff. Uh, Chris Hogan might be a fantasy winner here because if he's getting the number one corner from the other teams, he's going to be you know uh, a no-show in the stat sheet. But now that he might be seen as second or third guy, we saw what he can do in the playoffs against the Steelers when he's not getting the number one corner. So I think it really helps his fantasy value. In my opinion, yeah, I- it, in my opinion, it's just having Edelman coming back sooner rather than later, very soon. I think we forget that he's on the team for a second, and when he does come back this receiving core is going to be different. So you have him, and he might take that that number one corner, and then you got Josh Gordon to worry about too, and then you have Hogan as a third. I don't know if that hurts him or helps him. I don't know if that helps him because he's going to slip out and get these plays from Tom Brady, or if you know he's only going to get two or three targets a game, maybe four, and you know get that occasional breakout touchdown that gets fantasy owners excited. But Last week, it looked like Hogan was the Hogan of last year when he was really getting that groove with Brady. He had two touchdowns last week. He looked very nice. And then this news dropped. My first thought was, how long can Hogan keep this success up for? Of course, he's got Brady who can do this. But I have confidence that between Burkhead and Michelle, you know, they're going to figure it out, the running game there. And, of course, James White, who is a big part of the passing game and is going to also take away fantasy value from any receiver that's there since he's so active in the passing game. I just think it's so many, so much talent there in New England. It's going to be hard to gauge, especially for the first few weeks. But this is definitely a good problem to have if you're New England and if you're you know, Josh McDaniels trying to have fun with his Patriots offense again. Adding a guy like Josh Gordon in there is, like you said, Jonders, the best weapon he's had since Randy Moss. It's going to be extremely exciting. Quick, just wanted to ask you guys, Jarvis Landry, is he about to be a star because of this? I think it's definitely possible. He actually just got injured in practice today. No uh, way. I wasn't sure what it was, but it popped up that he was questionable for Thursday night, the Thursday night game. I definitely think he can overtake that like number one touchdown magnitude spot. But I think the receiver that honestly benefits the most is Antonio Callaway just because he has so much potential in him and he's still so young and he's just a rookie and now he's getting thrown into a position where he can kind of make a name for himself and kind of get a lot of targets and prove what he really is talent-wise. This team. Antonio Callaway is the guy to watch now. He hit this plant like Odell Beckham in the preseason. I know that was just preseason. We saw what should have been the game winner in uh, New Orleans Sunday. This Callaway kid, I'm excited for him. I would just like to throw out there, I was mocked in a dynasty draft for taking Callaway in the seventh round. Who's laughing now? The seventh round. uh, (laughs) I have, I have faith in Callaway. Yeah, I know Callaway had his own issues with marijuana you know, prior to the season failing a drug test, which is why his draft stock fell the way it did. His, his talent was a first-round talent, a lot of scouts thought, and he dropped because of his problems off the field. And on Hard Knocks, you had Hugh Jackson pretty much saying he was taking a chance on him, and if he screwed up, he was going to have his ass. You know, he's really taking this opportunity, relishing it. I think with Josh Gordon out of there, I don't think he's the best influence for Antonio Callaway. I think this is actually a good thing for Josh Gordon to get out of there and get a little bit more serious, a little bit more of a role. And you're going to see more and more from him on a week-to-week basis. I think he has the organization's trust and he's a rookie you know they're giving him a ton already you just like you said last week should have been the game winner and he's running slants he's running routes very efficiently he's looking very good with Tyrod Taylor so I like that a lot let's talk the first game of the week this last week Ravens Bengals 23 to 34 you know AJ Green three touchdowns what do you guys think of this game one thing that everyone noticed was uh Joe Mixon got injured. Giovanni Bernard's still out there. Get him on a roster. I know I had the fifth waiver wire claim. Absolutely did not think I was going to get him in one of my leagues. And I woke up and I got him. And it was uh, it was actually funny what happened. Another guy put a claim in for him. But he put a claim in for the Browns defense and got the Browns defense. So I lucked out on that. A.J. Green and about Joe Mixon were the two headlining stories for this game. What, what do you guys think? Mosley left this game early. Without him, the Ravens defense is a shell of itself. Jimmy Smith is still suspended. Until he gets back, I think uh, the Ravens defense is non-startable in fantasy until he comes back. 
Here's my hot take. A.J. Green, three touchdowns. He looks very good this year. I say sell high now. And not that Dalton can't keep this up, because I would put A.J. Green in the beginning of my Tier 2 wide receivers, right at the top of the Tier 2 wide receivers. He's not quite in there with, you know, Hopkins, Julio, Antonio Brown, possibly Beckham, depending on how Eli Manning plays. But with talent-wise, I always put A.J. Green at the top of my Tier 2. I think right now you can go out and get, you can sell him so high for rather running back talent if you need it right now and, you know, throw a receiver in there or you can even load up on two receivers. What I actually did last night, wanted to tell you guys, see what you guys thought. Uh, I just had this feeling in my stomach, this gut feeling that I need to get AJ Green off my roster for some reason. And when I drafted him, I'm not the hugest AJ Green fan, but he was the best fit at the draft position that I was in. I sold him for. I went out and got Jarvis Landry and Nelson Aguilar, who right now I believe their their stock is their highest, with Wentz coming back with Aguilar and him seeing double-digit targets, and as well as Jarvis, who I believe will take over this number one role. He did lead, lead the NFL in receptions last year. The two of them for A.J. Green. Do you guys take that trade? That PPR? It's his PPR. Yeah, I would take that. Yep. I, I think you're getting close to equal value with Jarvis Landry and then Aguilar is a bonus, so I would take it. Yeah, yeah it's, I agree. I went to sleep giddy. I was happy, excited to tell you guys. We'll move on to some Sunday games. Giants-Cowboys, big game, 20-13 to 13 Cowboys. Dak Prescott started the game off with a deep bomb to Tavon Austin. Zeke looked efficient. Saquon Barkley is a PPR monster catching balls out of the backfield. Jonders, give me your take on this game. I, I don't know what's going on with the Giants. I mean, you have a fourth and inches have or you know around the fifty yard line, and then they punt instead of giving the ball to Saquon Barkley. They can't seem to get the ball into Odell's hands. I am so worried about all the Giants' offensive players. I I don't know. And then I I don't feel like I could trust anybody in the Cowboys other than Zeke Elliott. I don't like any of these players from any of these teams hunting fantasy. I agree with your Cowboys statement there. I wouldn't trust anybody right now besides Ezekiel Elliott either. Dak Prescott, maybe if you're in a two quarterback league and need yeah. a you know your second pick, and at that point I would still have a third quarterback on my roster probably to you know check matchups on a week to week basis. The Cowboys did just re-sign Bryce Butler. It's not going to be any sort of big deal, but he's a possession receiver that spent years with the team, so he's back. I know they were a team rumored in the Josh Gordon mix, and then they shut that down saying that they weren't interested. Panthers-Falcons, I'm going to ask you, Adam, what do you think? I know that you have your strong opinion on divisional games and everything. Let's give you your take on this game. The thing that I noticed though was the hit Cam Newton took. It was just insane. He, he slid clearly, and I forget who the guy was, or it was like Kawazi or whatever, but he was just an unnecessary necessary hit it was really dirty and it was just like it was sad to see cam newton get just another cheap shot hit and although he got the flags called the guy got ejected it was just players need to show respect to cam newton another thing i noticed was matt ryan he kind of turned things on he didn't really use julio jones julio only had about like 70 70 or so receiving yards yeah, calvin ridley matt ryan yeah calvin ridley matt ryan connected with a touchdown for calvin ridley so I definitely see him slowly starting to come on and maybe eat into Julio's production a little bit. Ridley also had 64 yards and is only owned in 11% of fantasy leagues, according to NFL.com. So yeah. he's somebody to look out for. Definitely going to go grab him. Jonders, I'm going to ask you uh, just to give me your take on the Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman situation. I know Freeman is set to miss weeks, and Tevin Coleman looks like a clear, I would say, top 15 running back, especially in PPR formats. Give me your take on Tevin Coleman and how you think this is going to play out for the year. Yeah, I would sit tight and start Coleman every week until Freeman comes back. And then even when he does try to play by ear, maybe it's matchup-based, see what defenses do well against the satellite backs, which one give a lot of yards to satellite backs. I definitely think he's an RB1 or RB2 for the rest of the year. I think he's something you got to start. Yeah, I definitely agree. Colts, Redskins. Colts 21, Redskins 9. Andrew Luck pulls out the victory. What do you guys think about this game and its fantasy value? You know what I took away from this game is that the Arizona Cardinals are really bad. You know, we saw that week one game where the Washington team played the Cardinals and made them look like a bunch of JV players. And then the Colts, who didn't look amazing in week one, really served it to the uh, Washington team here. Adrian Peterson flashed out week one, but we have to worry about his age and the week-to-week prospect now. So, yeah, I'm a little worried. Also, going into the year, I was very excited about Paul Richardson um, uh, playing with Alex Smith, but that really hasn't uh, lent itself to fireworks yet. So I'm still monitoring that going forward. I I wouldn't touch any of the Redskins wide receivers right now. They are all pretty just scary. I wouldn't touch any 
any pass catcher on the Redskins besides Jordan Reed right now. I'm pretty sure the um, Redskins just signed uh, Perriman and as well as Michael Floyd too. So two different right, yeah, two different yeah. receivers coming in as well. Chris Thompson actually leads the team in receptions and I think targets actually. You know, I'm not so. surprised I'm not surprised to hear that. He's a fantasy gadget. It's for him it's can you stay healthy? If he's healthy, I love him on my team as a flex week in and week out, even on a you know crappy Redskins team. But it's can he stay healthy? And like you said, John, just with AP's week-to-week health and if he's going to be able to keep this up, we saw a big decline from a week one breakout. So we'll have to keep an eye on him for week three because I'm not a big fan of the Colts' defense. I don't think anybody is. And their, their defensive line isn't anything to write home about. So for AP, this should have been a game that he was able to put up a little bit better numbers than this. And I like that your take on you really get to see on how bad the Arizona Cardinals are due yeah. to this game, even though they're not even in this game, just because of last week, how they matched up against Washington. And Justin Pugh, one of their newly signed offensive linemen, put out a statement pretty much just saying he's not going to sugarcoat it. It's been bad. You know, the first two weeks, they have to completely scrap everything and go back to the drawing board. You know, they have no answer. Texans, Titans, Titans 20, Texans 17. Blaine Gabbert took the majority of the snaps. For the Titans, I don't really like what that does to Corey Davis or any of these other Titans receivers on the team. Even with Delaney Walker's injury, it's really hard to gauge the Titans offense right now. Adam, give me your take on this game. Titans 20, Texans 17. Watson finally turned things on a bit. He went for 310 passing yards and I think 22 or so fantasy points. He started to connect with Will Fuller quite a bit. Will Fuller got 113 receiving yards. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Hopkins. I sold high on him in another league too. Look at me just getting rid of my big name wide receivers. These are just guys I wasn't high on going into the draft just for my personal philosophies and you know waiting for them to have that breakout week and just selling extremely high on these guys is where I'm going at. I believe why receivers are a dime a dozen and you can get them anywhere to really hang on to these huge name wide receivers if you can like i have aj green but my second guy is tyreek hill who is the number one wide receiver in fantasy right now so why hang on to aj green when i can absolutely you know expand my roster more when i'm really good at running back and i can you know make that and nelson aguilar and a jarvis landry so that's my opinion guys if you have big name wide receivers and you're not madly in love with them you should be selling right now after some big games and really expanding out your roster let's move on to our next game eagles buccaneers with some fitz magic jonders give me your take on this game a little worried going into this game because I was really, you know, digging my feet into the ground saying that this is Fitz, uh, Patrick's year. And then I saw the preseason that he's better than James Winston. And then even that, that first pass is Sean Jackson. The way I felt after kind of sticking to my guns and saying that I think this is Fitz Patrick's year is the way, like how I felt on the inside was how Fitzpatrick looked on the outside of his press conference. I just felt swagged out. I felt <laughs> confident. And, uh, yeah, that's my takeaway. Yeah, I loved him at that press conference. He went and stole Deshaun Jackson's clothes. He was saying, sorry, Deshaun, I stole your stuff for the press conference. And a reporter was, is any of that yours, Ryan? He said, yeah, the chest hair is mine. And I was busting up. I thought that was so funny. It's like, never change, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're just a court, you're just a goofball. And you can tell when he does get his opportunity. Do you remember in New York when he was on the Jets? He had his opportunity. He played extremely well. So it's really, he just kind of waits his time. He is a backup quarterback, but he shows that he's probably the most talented backup quarterback in the league when he gets his opportunities. He's gunning. And right now he's using all of his wide receivers, even OJ Howard, who broke out for a touchdown this week. It looks like a big surprise. I mean, in Tampa Godwin's Bay. good. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. He made Johnny Manziel in college. And yep. Sean Jackson still has gas tank. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has 16 more touchdowns in 40 less games than uh, Troy Aikman. So, how about that? Wow. What a stat. That's a big one, John. We're going to drop that there. And Eagles, I know they lost this game, but they got Carson Wentz returning this week. He is a QB1. He's a great quarterback, and Nick Foles isn't putting up the stats that you're hoping for this year. So, expect sunnier days in Philadelphia for you know moving forward with Wentz playing this week. I heard he- it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Though. Yeah, me too. It's my favorite show. <laughs> Chiefs, Steelers, Chiefs 42, 37, Pat Mahomes. We're just before we get into this game, I got a question for you guys. Who's more magical this year, Pat Mahomes or Ryan Fitzpatrick? How about Ryan Fitzpatrick Mahomes? Yeah, exa- if we could throw a hyphen in there, I'm totally down with that. I put up a poll on Twitter. It ended 54 to 46. It's extremely close. 
Fitzpatrick's putting up more yards. He's putting up a little bit more volume. But then you got Mahomes, who's thrown 10 touchdowns within his first two NFL games. First quarterback to ever do that. He's putting up insane Madden numbers in this Andy Reid offense. And this is why they got rid of Alex Smith. They had full confidence. And the Steelers, Big Ben, even though they lost this game, he was slinging the ball and exactly what we predicted with fantasy. I expect a similar game this week from Big Ben. Adam, what's your take on Chiefs-Steelers? It was a shootout. I mean, it was it was looking like that from the beginning. Both quarterbacks could put up 400 passing yards and four touchdowns. It was shown, and they they just went off, so to speak. Pat Mahomes, I think, was the one that really standed out just because he had a great performance last week and double that this week, going for six touchdowns, which is just insane. And he proved, like uh, Andrew Erickson said in the last show, that if he can't find Tyreek Hill, he'll connect with his other weapons. Yeah, you saw, you saw Kelsey this week. He looked like an absolute beast. And even getting Kareem Hunt finally involved in the passing game with the receiving touchdown himself. Pat Mahomes is just going to help everybody's fantasy value. If you got somebody on the Chiefs, you should just be excited. It's an extremely fun offense to watch. Dolphins, Jets, we got 20-12. to 12. Adam, what is your take on this game? Stood out was Quincy Inunua. He was the... Receiving leader for the Jets so that on the day, he was just the Sam Darnold's guy, and he, I think, will just get better each week. Yeah, that's something we've been saying. Give me some Quincy. Give me some Anunwa. He's got a ton of targets. He's got a lot of target share. But Ryan Tannehill, let's talk about him. 9-1 and one in his last 10 starts. Very underrated. I know Tannehill's not the most exciting player in the world, and of course his receiving core isn't all too exciting with Devontae Parker being out. Jarvis Landry left last year. He's got Kenny Stills, Amendola, Neil Wilson. Not a ton of huge names here, but he's finding a way to win. Jonders, what do you think about Ryan Tannehill and his fantasy value? I think I'm higher on Tannehill than most people. I think that if you're in a deeper league or if you're in a two-quarterback league, like you mentioned earlier, that Tannehill is something you need to be thinking about. Because he'll get you, you know, three extra points every game with rushing yards. That's something to consider. And then um, another player on this team that I think you should be considering if you're in deeper league is uh, the inconvenient truth. Because I think he might become a touchdown vulture later in the year. I totally agree. We'll go uh, Chargers-Bills. Chargers 31, Bills 20. I am surprised the Chargers didn't destroy the Bills even more. Josh Allen looks like their quarterback of the future. Not that he was doing anything crazy exciting, but he was dipping his shoulder, looking competitive, looking like a guy that they could build around with potential at the very least. I expected the Chargers to rain down a little bit more, but if you were a Melvin Gordon owner, you are an excited man. Even though he left with an injury, he did say he's fine. He's going to be playing this week, but you know, racked up those touchdowns this week. What do you guys think about this game? The Bills, I would stay far away from anybody. McCoy, who is the only fantasy relevant player on that team in my opinion i have his value going down and down and down and i'm just not seeing anything change with that what do you guys think about this game there's a room in fantasy land for both eckler and gordon i think that both those players can be good fantasy options maybe not on one team but uh, spread throughout a league yeah so i I think eckler is here to stay i think he's the real deal he's interesting yeah yeah it seemed like uh melvin gordon just had every touchdown in this game every time i was looking at my phone it just seemed like it was Melvin Gordon touchdown. Melvin Gordon touchdown. So I found it pretty pretty cool how he could get to the end zone uh, receiving it rather than rushing it. I mean, he did have a rushing touchdown, but it showed he, he that nice receiving touchdown back security blanket, so to speak, for Rivers rather than Gates, even though Gates is back on the team. Yeah, it's they haven't been using him the way that I expected. Let's talk about how weird this league is. Two ties in two weeks. Vikings Packers 29 to 29. Give me your guys' take on this. Lots of fantasy value. Kirk Cousins looked very nice. I like this team. What do you guys think about this matchup? I think that if you have Kirk Cousins on your roster, that you should be shopping your other quarterback because maybe you drafted two quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, it. He had over 400 yards in this game. He has all the weapons around him. I, and I saw a lot of websites saying, well, should you draft Thielen or, or Diggs? And the answer is, both. I mean, they're both going to produce all year. And that Vikings defense, I know they allowed 29 points this game, but man, they are legit. I, and I, I would love to have them on my roster. Yeah, the Vikings put up a lot of points on defense, which is something rare. And, you know, they're playing the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, this team. But ending in a tie, I think it is the worst thing that the NFL has. 
I understand the tie, but <clears throat> you go double OT, triple OT, quadruple OT. You go until you win the game. And I believe if you asked every single coach, every single player, you'll get probably an 80-90% of, yeah, let's just keep playing until we can win. I just can't take these ties. I, I know it's a football thing, but it kills me. And now we got two in two weeks. I hope this trend doesn't continue. Browns, Saints, oh my God, guys. 18 Browns, Saints 21. Browns should have 100% tied this game with the potential of winning it. Tell me what you guys think about this game. And the Browns are 0-1-1, oh, one one, speaking of ties, and that's a little bit better than last year, if you guys remember. So what do you guys think about this game? What's wrong with the Saints? I mean, they've been just looking weird. I mean, they got the job done this week. Michael Thomas looked like a beast, and I think he is going to just be the beast going forward. Alvin Kamara didn't do a whole lot I mean he was efficient but it was just it wasn't what anyone thought I, I don't think I think a lot of people were expecting a lot more touchdowns rather than missed field goals and field goal attempts <laughs> I feel like that's the problem that like conception going into week one was that the the Buccaneers were bad uh, just a bad team but they turned out like they're probably going to be a playoff level offense the Browns everybody's like well they're the Browns but they have a playoff level defense so the Saints got hit in the mouth twice to start the, uh, the year. They end up 1-1, one and one, which I think is pretty good when you're going against that caliber of defense and that caliber of offense. And, uh, you know, Michael Thomas is somebody I think is so underrated. I, I, I was getting him in the second round of drafts, so he's a stud, and that's all I can say. Yeah, I'll take a Michael Thomas over an A.J. Green any day. And, oh, yeah. And right now with the Browns, how do you feel about this offense for fantasy? Moving forward with Terod Taylor and Carlos Hyde, Jarvis Landry without Josh Gordon there, and Njoku. Those are some guys that interest me, especially with Josh Gordon's departure, besides Antonio Callaway, who we already spoke about. Njoku, their tight end. Do you see him becoming a little bit more active in this passing game with his ability to stretch out the field and really be a red zone threat as well? Do you see Jarvis Landry going crazy off? Do you see this really helping Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson? Just what do you really think about the Browns' offense, Jonders? You know, it's interesting because of hard knocks. We've kind of were able to just fly in the ball in Barrera, you know, so we saw that they've been prepping Landry to be the number one guy throughout the training camp, so I think he is the guy to watch, really. Uh, Njoku might be worth stashing on your bench for a few weeks and monitoring, but I think it really can, uh, things can start popping off for Landry. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think Duke Johnson is going to surprisingly get a lot more snaps out of the slot position and out of the backfield. You're going to see him get a little bit more active. Carlos Hyde, he's the clear number one possibly see Nick Chubb coming out of the mix here because I did hear something about the Browns trying to get running backs involved in the passing game. But Antonio Callaway, they got a steal there, so we'll see what they do with him. Back to your, I, but that's why I don't trust the running backs because like it, there's three of them, and if you sure Hyde might have a good week, but I, it's just too much. I want to stay away from that because you never know who's going to be get the, the majority of carries week to week. Right now it's Hyde, no doubt, and that's just because he has shown that throughout the first two weeks that he has the volume. And I'm not saying that he's been the most productive back. It's just, it, it also depends on what kind of league that you're playing in. But like you said, with yeah, now the, the emergence of Duke Johnson coming back, I think he's the only running back have at least 400 receiving yards in his two out of his first three seasons. And he could have been the first, or three, and he could have been the first to do it in a fourth year. So he has the potential to be very dangerous out of the backfield in the passing game. So I expect to see that changing. Adam, I want to let you run with the Lions 49ers, 49ers 30, Lions 27. So sorry about that, man. He's a big Lions fan here. So let's run on that and talk about what's going on with Detroit. And are they going back to the drawing board at 0-2? What's going on? Yeah, I called for a high-scoring game, and I, I called for a Matt Stafford bounce back. And sure enough, he did. Stafford put it up 347 yards, and there are three touchdowns. He did overthrow Marvin Jones about four times and Kenny Galladay once and it was just he was missing guys that he doesn't normally miss so I definitely think there's opportunity for Stafford to just continue who Stafford we thought he would be this year one other thing that I noticed was the run defense for the Lions just was atrocious as it was against the Jets the week before. Matt Breida went for 138 yards, and it just seemed like there was hole after hole for him. And the Lions' defense could be a defense to stream a running back against each week or make a matchup uh, decision each week. Yeah, and like we all predicted, Matt Breida is leading the NFL in rushing yards. <laughs> 
And you got Ryan Fitzpatrick with passing yards. You got Deshaun Jackson with receiving yards. What's going on with the league right now? This is literally the last thing anybody ever expected to happen this year. And like you said, the Bucks coming out with a playoff level offense. You got the Browns with a playoff level defense, tying teams, you know, blowing games at the end, but they should be honestly potentially 2-0 and when you're coming off one of the worst seasons ever. Who knows what's going on with the NFL, but that's why we love it so much on a week-to-week basis. We're able to, you know, not really predict as much as we would hope so, just because, you know, stuff smashes you in the mouth. You got the Bucks and Fitzpatrick putting up over 400 passing yards a game. The Cardinals-Rams, 34-0. to Jondras, you were telling me about the Cardinals and how bad they are. 34-0. Yeah, the Rams are great, but I think this is more of a story, like you said, of Arizona just being the worst team in the league. Do you guys agree on uh, that one? Yeah, well, the Bears are only owned in 63.9% of NFL.com fantasy leagues, and they play the Cardinals next week, so it's worth your time to search to see if the Bears are owned in your league. That's my takeaway. Oh, the Bears are a great defense for fantasy with Khalil Mack, the way he's playing. He has outperformed the Raiders' defense by himself this year in regards to tackles for loss, Well, he has sacks. so much surrounding talent. I mean, Floyd's there. He had a great game last Monday, and then you have uh, Keen Hicks, and then you have... Adrian Amos, I think, is the most underrated player in the league. And then yeah. if Kyle Fuller can get his act together and catch a few interceptions this year, I, they, they really have a lot going yeah. on in that defense. Prince of Mokamura, who has played a lot better since arriving in Chicago as well. I like their defense. Which is the Did you see that tweet? There was a tweet going around where I think it was a Seattle beat writer tweeted out the, they, uh, the Seattle was in the same formation and ran the same play against Denver. And... Uh, Prince of Makamura, or, or I'm sorry, I said his name wrong, but he tweeted, he retweeted that quote and said, yep, that was the play, I found that out, and like, so, I don't know, it's, they're doing their homework and they're winning games in Chicago. Yeah, seriously, and the thing is, they would have won week one, too, if Aaron Rodgers didn't pull that magical comeback out of his ass, that was something that I don't think any other quarterback in the league could have done. The Chicago Bears should be feeling confident. I was actually getting a haircut at the barber, and a bunch of barbers going there, and two of them were from Chicago. The other two were actually from Wisconsin. So they were yelling back at each other about that Week 1 matchup and how Trubinsky's trash and how the defense for Chicago is not even good because they only looked good against Kaiser. And then when you know Rodgers came in, they completely fell on them. And I was sitting there kind of agreeing with, like, so many different points that they were making, disagreeing with so many different points. Of course, they don't know. Aaron, it. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a first down that game until the third quarter. Exactly. Like you, that defense has such potential, too. And with the new coaching staff and with that offense that got completely remodeled, that's going to take a little bit of time as well. So I'm confident for the future of the Chicago Bears. And I'm least... One, one last note on Chicago. I was there. So I live in Chicago. And before week one, there were all these signs that said, welcome, Cleo Mack. Those have all gone. Everybody knows Cleo Mack's name. And last night, this year's tower, uh, there are two big poles on top of it. And they were both uh, bright uh, Chicago Bears orange yesterday. So this, te- this town is all in on this team. This is great. And this is something they haven't been able to enjoy in you know quite a while. And with the Packers in that division... Just really running it for me this year, I think, with Aaron Rodgers. Just how deep that division is all the way around, I think the Lions are going to have the most trouble in that division, but it's going to be a three-team race. Patriots-Jaguars. Jaguars went 31-20. to uh, Tom Brady was a quarterback we told you to stay away from due to this matchup. Adam, what do you think about this and moving forward for Jacksonville, New England? Chris Hogan, he proved himself. He got two touchdowns on that crazy good Jaguars defense. Yep. Um, he, he even beat Jalen Ramsey on one of them. It was it was kind of a predictable game. I didn't I didn't expect the Patriots to lose that bad. I did you did you predict win. Bortles to throw four touchdowns? Because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, not quite. But I figured it would be low scoring. Goskowski would kick a lot of field goals. Jaguars win by a couple of points, but Jaguars looked great, and the Patriots defense didn't look that good. Yeah, the Patriots defense is never anything to write home about, especially with the losses that they took in the secondary this year. And with their offensive line, the Patriots, like I said in previous podcasts, as a whole, you're going to see a ton of problems leaking through for New England this year. Uh, Raiders, Broncos, Jonders, Broncos 20, Raiders 19. John Gruden just can't figure it out yet. What's going on? Yeah, I don't know. I've been really hard on Derek Carr in the past, but he actually had a pretty good game, at least fantasy-wise in this one. They can't. They kind of can't seem to close out games. They were kind of in it with the Rams and then got blown out in the second half, and then they were leading in the first half, and then Broncos came back. Philip Lindsay is a player that I think more people in fantasy should be paying attention to. Yes. Only owned in 40% of NFL.com fantasy league. Case Keenum might be somebody if you're... You would have to be in a double quarterback league or maybe in a 14-man league, but... 
he looks like he's going to keep slinging the ball. He might throw a few picks, but he's going to keep throwing downfield. Like I said last podcast, Case Keenum last year at least was the king of the waiver wire, and it's really a similar thing this year. You want to have him so bad, you want to root for Case Keenum because you saw what happened to the Minnesota Miracle, and he's actually played very well. But there are, I would say, 12 to 14 other quarterbacks I'd rather start than Case Keenum on a week-to-week yep. basis. So he's going to be he right there. He's a matchup guy, yeah, like you said. Just, yeah, matchup guy. And in, like you said, in a two-QB league, if you have him as your second quarterback, you should be feeling really good about yourself. Seahawks, Bears, we were just bringing up that Chicago defense. 17 Seahawks, Chicago 24. And this is crazy because Seahawks had the best winning percentage in Monday Night Football history going into this game. Big upset from the Bears in regards to history. And for talent, I would say that they're a much better team than the Seahawks this year. Even with Russell Wilson there, I'm a big fan of Khalil Mack in this defense. And they showed that if they can stop that offense down, which isn't anything crazy good, but Russell Wilson's a great quarterback to contain. If you're able to contain him, even without Doug Baldwin, his receivers are very capable there, and he's got capable running backs. If you're able to do this to the Seahawks and keep them to 17 points, this is a solid performance from the Bears defense. What do you guys think about this game? So, late in the game, the Seahawks are driving, and Russell Wilson checks out of four uh, consecutive plays. They're at about the 50-yard line. Russell Wilson checks out of a sixth or fifth play or whatever, and then Seahawks sideline calls a timeout. So, there's a power struggle going on in Seattle, and I don't know. I think I, like, I'm the biggest Russell Wilson fan. I was the first guy on Twitter to talk about Chris Carson, but at this point, I think it might be a fire sale time on Seahawks players because there is a lot of drama this is the worst we've ever seen in Seattle, and I've never seen Russell Wilson physically upset before on the football field, but he was livid that he, that they called the timeout at that point of the game. Yeah, and you've seen the Seahawks make tons of bad coaching decisions, a.k.a. the Super Bowl, with giving the ball to Lynch, which they should have done. Now everything's on Russell Wilson, and he just doesn't have any help. But it's not even on, so I think they would have won that game if they let Russell Wilson keep checking out of plays, because... The next play, Russell Wilson didn't check. They were in I formation and ran into a heavy box. And Russell Wilson didn't check out of it. They ran for one yard. And then they called that play that uh, Prince picked off that he knew. So he couldn't check out of that either, apparently. So I don't know what's going on in Seattle. I think if Russell Wilson was allowed to check out of plays, they'd win that game. And maybe players like Brandon Marshall might be interesting. Or players, you know, but at this point, it's like, I, I don't want to have Penny on my team. I, yeah, I don't want to have not. Absolutely not. That scares me if I'm going to have Penny on my team. Tyler Lockett is an interesting player to pick up off you know, waiver wire if he's still kind of chilling there for you because of the injury to Doug Baldwin and because Russell Wilson's going to put up those stats. He's the one guy that does intrigue me, but he is still a bench stash. It's not like I'm sitting there starting Tyler Lockett. If I am, I'm very thin at the wide receiver position. Let's talk some league-wide trends, guys. What's going on with fantasy now that we have two weeks under our belt, we're able to you know crunch these numbers. One thing I'm going to start off with is that this is just a passing league. We knew that already, and it's becoming so vertical. People's pen from Fantrax, our first guest on episode two, he tweeted a stat last night that the 2018 pace for passing touchdowns is 912. The average over the last 10 years is 758.9. 912 passing touchdowns over 759 average over the last 10 years. These teams are going vertical. They're finding ways. They're finding deep threats. And that's doing nothing but just boosting up scores in fantasy. So you're going to have a ton more players that are more fantasy relevant this year than in past. And you're going to have players just raining on points, a.k.a. A.J. Green, a.k.a. Tyreek Hill, a.k.a. all these different players that are doing what they're doing. They're going to keep doing it all year. So give me some league-wide trends. What have you really seen? I know we were chiming on the Bucks, and we were t- talking about how the Saints, their defense isn't all too great. Chicago's defense looks good. Some trends around the league, but especially fantasy trends. What are you guys noticing after two weeks? Um, one thing, I guess, uh, all the, there's a couple guys coming back from suspension, injury. Uh, Aaron Jones is going to be activated this week. He served his two-game suspension. Carson Wentz is expected to play this week. He was injured the past two games, and... Uh, last season, as we know, Nick Foles came in and did his magic. Uh, I think it's just going to be really exciting to see Carson Wentz get back on the field and try to pick up where he left off from last year, where he was just straight up dominating. And even when Alshon Jeffrey comes back, we'll see what they can do and if they can establish a big connection. Yeah, Alshon there, it intrigues me because of the role that Nelson Aguilar's took even with Nick Foles there, he's been a PPR monster. He's been picking up all types of receptions. And 
even found the touchdown. So I believe with Wentz coming back, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Aguilar and with Jeffrey to see how they kind of coexist there. I think it's going to be a problem that Wentz loves having, and I think that you're going to see a ton of production out of him. If you have money roster, you should be starting Wentz this week unless you have obviously two quarterbacks, which you should in that position, and the other matchup is tantalizing. Then you kind of give Wentz a week to see the production. Start him next, but you should know what you have if you have Wentz. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. A quick comment. Wentz, his injury was actually a blessing for me because I had him in two two leagues, and because he was out the first two games, I had to go get a quarterback, and I guess who I got? Pat Mahomes. So now I got Pat Mahomes and Carson Wentz on two teams in two different leagues. The so. fact that you're able to pick up Pat Mahomes just is crazy to me. The fact that not one person in that draft thought to stash him on his bench for the just-in-case of this matter. You are a lucky man if you're able to pick up Pat Mahomes on just chilling on that waiver wire. That is crazy, especially... You know, that, goes, that goes into my point perfectly, because I think uh, one of the trends this year is that uh, you saw the top quarterbacks going, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. If you were somebody who sat back and waited till maybe the 10th to 12th round to try to take a quarterback, I think you're smiling, because yes. I've been able to sneak wins by with Tyrod Taylor. I know whoever got Ryan Fitzpatrick is smiling year to year. Just like Adam there, you know, get Pat Mahomes, you're you're laughing all the way to the bank. So I think uh, Trent here is, wait, just wait, let your friends take the big name quarterback. Exactly. That was something that we said episode one. That was one of the main points that I made about draft strategy. I said, when you're thinking about taking a quarterback, wait. And when you think about it the next time, you wait again. And then when for a third time, that thought is just in your stomach that you need to take a quarterback, you then wait one more time and then finally draft a quarterback towards the 10th to 12th round. And you can find value down there with Stafford, Big Ben, some of these guys. You couldn't have even waited even more, like you said, squeaking out wins with Tyrod Taylor and some of these guys. Fitzpatrick on the waiver wire. So many guys you could find on the waiver wire. Tannehill, these guys that are not expected to perform but are putting up the same numbers. Quarterbacks are interesting. Early in the draft, you got to go with positional players and you know, wait, wait, wait on quarterbacks, defense, and kicker. Let's move on to our fire waiver wire segment. Now, if you have these players today, I know the waivers just cleared. If you have them, you should be a happy man. I know you were just bringing it up, Adam, with Giovanni Bernard. You getting lucky with another team in your league, putting in a claim for Brown's defense. You ended up with Giovanni. He should be the RB1 for the next, looks like two to three weeks at the very least. He's got a a lot of volume in that offense, which they leaned heavily on Joe Mixon this year. Kicker, Tan Bailey. Yeah, we have a kicker on our fire waiver wire. You believe it. Dan Bailey is the second most accurate kicker of all time. He turned down four different contracts waiting for a one-year, $2 million deal. It's not something to be crazy about waiting for. The reason why is because he's a Minnesota Viking. He wants to win a championship. He wants to be on a team that he actually has a role that matters beyond just being the Browns kicker. I think I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing I was the Browns kicker. John Brown, wide receiver for Baltimore. Actually, yeah, I would be able to sleep at night with those fatty paychecks. (laughs) John Brown, wide receiver for the Ravens. Quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback for the Buccaneers. And Chris Godwin, receiver for the Buccaneers. Another Buccaneer here, O.J. Howard, tight end. Another tight end, Will Disley, Seattle Seahawks. Another tight end, Eric Ebron, Colts. Austin Eckler for the Chargers. Running back, like you said, Jonders, he could coexist with Melvin Gordon most definitely, depending on the league. Running back, Buck Allen on the Ravens. He's just been a thorn in the side of Alex Collins, like I said in the beginning of these podcasts. I said he was going to steal away touchdowns. Going to be an interesting player to have. Not guy I'm confident on starting, but he's going to do enough to hurt Alex Collins all year. We have... Blake Bortles, quarterback for Jacksonville, if he's still on there after a four-touchdown performance and the rapport that he looks like he has with these wide receivers, you should be looking to pick him up as a bench stash or in a two-quarterback league, 100%. Speaking of his wide receivers, wide receiver D.D. Westbrook and wide receiver Keelan Cole, someone that we chimed on very highly, Antonio Callaway. He should still be out there. If you aren't smart, he should be chilling on your waiver wire. Go grab him. He's going to have a much, much bigger role. Tyler Boyd, Cincinnati. Our hot and cold segment, something I started this week. Just a few players I wanted to highlight and talk about why I think their value is so up, why I think their value is so down. Kenny Galladay, Detroit, 13 receptions, over 200 yards and a touchdown. 
the Lions breakdown for targets for each one of these receivers is interesting. Tate with 28, Galladay with 21, Marvin Jones with 17. I truly believe, and I said this a week ago, that I thought Galladay was starting to take over as that prominent number two guy to Golden Tate over Marvin Jones. And I know it's a trio, and it needs to be treated as such. But I believe that if he had to pick between two of these guys, it's Galladay now. And if you have him on your waiver wire, go grab him. But I believe he should have been swooped last week. That's where I grabbed him on the bottom of my bench. Running back Philip Lindsay, someone that you talked about, Jonders. He's top three in the NFL in rushing yards behind uh, Brita on the 49ers. It's such a crazy top three for these for these running backs. No one ever expected that. His value is up right now. Royce Freeman, yes, he got that goal line touch, and Royce Freeman's a guy that I love. But Philip Lindsay is that shiny new car in the driver right now, so he should be the guy that you're looking at. Jarvis Landry looking hot right now, of course, with Josh Gordon's departure. Chris Hogan, I think a guy personally for me is a guy that's going to be hurting with Josh Gordon's arrival in New England. And I don't think he's going to benefit all too well. I don't think any of these guys are going to benefit fantasy wise from Josh Gordon stealing those touchdowns and big yards. LaShawn McCoy, a guy that's just dying in that Bills offense. And even with that change at quarterback, I have zero confidence. And even and he's banged up. Jack Doyle, Indiana, he needs to be benched or put on the waiver wire considering that Eric Ebron is their number one guy. Scored a touchdown in back-to-back weeks. You know, I'm not a big Doyle fan to begin, but it looks like Andrew Luck has really settled down and found his his guy with Ebron. John, I have a question. After two weeks, who are you looking to drop? Who are you looking to trade? Who's a guy that you're selling high? Who's a guy that you're buying high? Well, I'm sitting David Johnson this week, and I'm often, or I'm awful tempted to try to trade him. Um, I, I don't think it's his problem, but I think the way the play calls are going, it seems like Arizona completely thought that he could catch the ball in the backfield. If you look at the next-gen stats, he's running exclusively between the tackles, and I think Arizona's a mess, and I don't want any part of it. David Johnson... Even though he's the kind of guy that can carry this entire offense, and for fantasy, you're looking for a guy that's just going to put up stats. I don't know if it was the matchup with the Rams or if it just looks like he's not the same guy right now. We're going to have to keep an eye on that for week three. I'm just going to do my top 12 quarterback, running back, receiver, and just kind of hear what you guys have to think about that. Just with matchups, I'll consider this week. We'll go through that really quick. Quarterback, I have Tom Brady number one against the Lions. The Lions allowed 78 points through two games. It's a big deal. They, just like Adam keeps saying, stream quarterbacks, stream running backs against the Lions. They're not doing too well. Number two, Steelers, uh, Big Ben at Bucks. The Bucks allowed the second most passing yards with 773 yards through two weeks. Big Ben's going to have yet another big game. Chiefs, Pat Mahomes at number three versus the 49ers, the first quarterback to ever throw 10 touchdowns in his first two games. I believe he's going to keep this up. He's a top three quarterback for me. Number four, 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo at the Chiefs. Yes, I know number four is a big deal for Jimmy G, but... You know, the Chiefs have allowed the most passing yards so far and the second most passing touchdowns. And like I said with Big Ben last week, they were not very good against quarterbacks notorious for the last two years. So I see Jimmy G absolutely going off this week against the Chiefs. Five, Packers. Aaron Rodgers versus Redskins. The Redskins defense has actually played very well this year. They, I believe, have only given up one, maybe two touchdowns. And I believe have more interceptions than given up touchdowns. But this is Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. So he's number five instead of where I would usually hope to have him in my top three. Number five against the Redskins. Number six, Vikings Kirk Cousins versus the Bills. I believe he's going to tear them up like I expected Phillip Rivers to last week. The Bills aren't too good, especially with Vontae Davis retiring at halftime and leaving the team. Uh, you guys heard about that, right? That's absolutely insane. He literally just walked off of the team, grabbed his stuff, and put up an Instagram post, and that was the last that his players heard of him. He's, he's... As a Seahawks fan, I was hoping Khalil Mack would have retired at halftime. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think the same thing if I were you. But I, I think that's... Such a weird way to go. He's got to be going through something serious if that's the way that he walked away from the game. So we have numbers. That's how, uh, that's how Ike Taylor retired. He just stayed on the sideline. But he walked up to uh, Mike Tomlin after a play and said, I just don't have to fire anymore. But the young kid in. That's, and that's less play play. 
That's crazy. Just something's got to just go through your mind. You've had to have go through something that day that's really just rocked you for you to give up your whole career, walk away, and believe it's just too much now. So I can't wait to hear more unfold about that situation so i know exactly what happened uh seven bucks ryan fitzmagic there's no fitzpatrick it's fitzmagic versus the steelers averaging 409.5 yards per game and four touchdowns through two weeks thank you fanatic for that stat on ryan's fitzpatrick fanatic a fantasy football app that you need to go download it is ios exclusive right now go check out their app for everything on their feed and their rankings as well and in-depth next-gen stats so go check them out at Fanatic with a Q on the Apple iTunes store. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 409.5 yards per game, four touchdowns through two weeks. That's insane. I expect him to keep up, keep balling against the Steelers. Pat Mahomes tore him up last week. Eight Saints, Drew Brees at the Falcons. I believe he's going to do very well against the depleted Falcons secondary. Nine Cam Newton on the Panthers versus the Bengals. Ten Eagles Carson Wentz, his return versus the Colts. Top ten quarterback for me. Not too high, not too low in my opinion. He's right there at 10, so we'll see how he he folds out against the Colts, who are pretty weak in their secondary. Lions, Matt Stafford versus the Patriots at number 11, and Falcons, Matt Ryan versus the Saints. Saints have given up a lot of points. That's why he's there. Quarterbacks to stay away from, I'd say, Rivers against the Rams, Russell Wilson against the Cowboys, who have played extremely well this year, and Alex Smith against the Packers. Their secondary looks very good, too. You guys have anything to chime in on quarterback this week? Um, one thing, I think Tom Brady is just going to obliterate the Lions. I'm actually going to go to that game, so I can't wait to see him throw five touchdown passes to uh, just every player on the team. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 think, I do think it'll be high scoring, though, so I definitely think Matt Stafford has another good game. I would definitely play Matt Stafford this week just because he's going to be home. Um, I know he had the bad outing against the Jets at home, but that that's was very un-Stafford-like. Um, he usually produces pretty good numbers when he's home, and although it's another primetime game and Stafford looked terrible on primetime, I would still I'd still start him this week. Yeah, Stafford's interesting. I have him still in my top twelve, like you said, but he's been making a lot of mistakes. But he does have that volume, and with that defense, I believe they're going to be playing from behind a ton, and so he's just going to be passing the ball all year. Golden Tate, Galladay, and. Uh, Marvin Jones, who just going to be seeing a ton of volume. Even Theo Reddick, who didn't see one run but saw a ton of receptions. He's a guy that if you're in a full-point PPR league and you are in a deeper league that you need running back depth, look towards Reddick too because they're going to be playing from behind a lot, and he's going to be seeing a lot of receptions with practically no rushes at all. Anything else for you guys to add on quarterback before I fly through running back? Saints-Falcons should be a shootout, so it should be high scoring for both those quarterbacks. And I want to be surprised if Antonio Brown retired at halftime after Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> scored six touchdowns before half. That's insane. Yeah, walk off at halftime. We got another one. Uh, one Rams Todd Gurley this week versus the Chargers. You know, receptions and carries combined. He had 22 last week. Saints Alvin Kamara at Falcons receptions carries combined. He had 19. Three Cowboys Zeke Elliott, a guy that I think is just going to eat up on the depleted Seattle defense as a whole. I think he's going to put up you know, one or two rushing touchdowns. He's not going to be huge in the passing game because they're just going to be running it down their throat this week is where I'm looking if at If KJ it. Wright and Bobby Wagner don't play, I mean, he could be number one on your list. Yeah, I, had to, very I, re- I really had a debate between him and Kamara for one and two for me this week, but Kamara still with Mark Ingram not there. It's the volume that I love, and I do do PPR rankings, so it's his attractiveness in the passing game, which really keeps Kamara there for me. But Zeke, like I said, he is on pace for roughly about 80 targets this year, like I said in the beginning. So he still has a way to contribute in half-point PPR formats, even full PPR, to be a top three running back all year. Number four, Giants Saquon Barkley, someone that receptions carries combined 25 he set a record this last week with um with the performance that he had even with eli manning playing the way that he did saquon barkley had 14 receptions against the cowboys breaking tiki barber's giants record for the most in a game by a running back and tying roy halu's nfl record for most by a rookie running back saquads is going to have a crazy career and he's a ppr monster with a 
The offense that I'm not a big fan of, he's the only bright spot. Of course, Odell Beckham Jr. being there. But if Eli can't pass the ball, it's going to really hurt Odell. For Saquon, that helps. If anything, he's going to be dumping the ball and doing screenplays all day since he doesn't have a lot of time either. Christian McCaffrey, a guy who had receptions carries combined 22 last week against the Bengals. This week, he's a top five running back for me. Six, Chiefs Kareem Hunt. Uh, versus the 49ers receptions carries combined last week 19 he had a receiving touchdown i believe he's going to put up another receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown not a ton of yards but kareem hunt is gadgety i like him a lot in this in this offense steelers james connor at bucks as my number seven eight vikings dalvin cook versus bills his injury is just fine he's practicing fully this week Falcons' Tevin Coleman versus Saints at my number nine. Receptions carries last week, 20. Just like the top five, top six that have at least 19 or 20 receptions and carries, he's right there, Tevin Coleman as well. I'm a big fan of him. Like we were saying, he is a top 10 play right now with Devontae Freeman being out, especially in PPR. He's number nine for me. 10, Cardinals' David Johnson versus the Bears. 11 Chargers Melvin Gordon at the Rams. The only reason why Melvin Gordon isn't higher is because he's playing the Rams. I don't think he's going to put up another multi-touchdown performance. He'll be lucky if he squeezes in with one, but this Rams defense is a seriously ferocious defense. Jaguars Leonard Fournette with his return versus the Vikings. Yes, this is PPR, which is why he's number 12. I believe he's still going to put up a very good game against this Titans defense, which I'm not extremely confident on. What do you guys think about these running back rankings? Um, I like him, man. Uh, I think uh, Leonard Fournette could be a little bit higher just because I think he he was close to playing this week, and he had uh, he's got now got another week to rest up. I think he's going to be good to go, and I think they're just going to play uh, a lot of ground and pound on that Titans defense and just kind of play smash mouth football just to get the job done. The reason why I like him, too, is I believe they're going to win this game, and I believe they're going to win it pretty convincingly so they're going to be playing from ahead i think they're going to be kind of running the clock out a lot with Fournette just getting a ton of garbage time yards and then they'll switch to yeldon and stuff but i think if you have yeldon just keep him on your team right now for just in case with the Fournette situation with his hamstring you're never sure how those are going to act up but you should only have him on your team if he's a handcuff right now in my opinion what do you think genres of these running back rankings before we fly towards uh receivers yeah, I'm kind of out on the Cardinals in totality, as I was saying earlier. So um, I probably would have bluffed David Johnson off this week. Yeah, it's just with David Johnson, I just can't see him dudding again. I know he's playing the Bears, but this is a guy that is the only talented piece that is attractive on this Cardinals offense. So at some if point, linebackers though, I think I would take the Bears front seven over the Rams front seven. Yeah, if you drafted David Johnson, you shouldn't be too happy right now when you're looking at draft position you had to spend a pretty heavy ticket on on him and he's playing like what a debatable top 15 top 20 running back and debatable and right now we got him at 10 we'll see past this week if he even stays in our rankings wide receiver number one Steelers Antonio Brown at the Bucks. Bucks allowed the second most passing yards with 773 this year Antonio Brown's going to go off even though he missed practice this week and put up that tweet that said trade me don't get crazy it was just someone talking crap to him saying look the only reason why you're good is because you're with Big Ben he said that's fine trade me anywhere I don't care I'll show you the same thing he wasn't actually saying trade me like ESPN likes to twist words so don't think Antonio Brown's going anywhere but I'm sure that on that day that he missed practice him and Liv were at home playing video games, smoking up, doing their thing together. Two, Saints Michael Thomas at Falcons. Three, Falcons Julio Jones versus Saints. Four, Chiefs Tyree Kill versus 49ers. Five, Odell Beckham at the Texans, even though he had an off game last week, was I expect a bounce back. Six, Texans DeAndre Hopkins versus Giants. Bengals AJ Green at Panthers, who have been pretty weak on that secondary. Bucks, Mike Evans, who's been going off versus the Steelers. He could potentially even be better than eight, but I have him at eight because I'm never 100% confident on Mike Evans with how many targets and how many people that he has there. Fitzpatrick, he's going to be slinging the ball all over the place, spreading it out. Nine, Josh Gordon at the Lions, guys. The Lions defense isn't good, allowing 79 points through two games, and Josh Gordon's practicing healthy. Oh, my God, I think Brady's going to just go off with him. Two touchdowns this week. He is a top 10 receiver, and I believe if he stays healthy, stays not on weed this week, sorry, this year he's going to be a top 10 receiver all year. 
Number 10, Vikings, Stephon Diggs versus the Bills. 11, Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster at the Bucks. The Bucks allowing the second most passing yards, like I said, with Antonio Brown. The two of them are top 12 receivers for me. 12, Eagles, Nelson Aguilar versus the Colts with the return of, of course, Carson Wentz. I believe this is going to do nothing but help Aguilar, and it's going to be super exciting. I don't have a ranking for tight end. I'm not a big fan of ranking tight ends anymore just with the fact that it's Gronk, Kelsey, and Ertz kind of at the top, and then it's kind of the rest of the pack. So I like to do more of a stardom sit-em for the tight ends. Do you guys have any big-name tight ends that start out this week that you'd like to start or any that you'd like to sit? I know for me, Najoku and Burton, if you've been staying strong on them, continue to stay strong. I believe they're both going to have breakout weeks this way, and Kyle Rudolph will stay consistent. I think Will Disley Will Disley's going to fall off. Well, thank you guys so much for you know talking my rankings with me. I wanted to thank you again, Jonders, for joining us with this episode, episode four, week three edition for fantasy football. It's been a crazy week so far, and I'm just so glad you were able to find some time and talk today with me. Jonders FPT, thank you so much. Make sure to go follow him at Twitter, at Jonders FTP, and listen to his multi-time-a-week podcast forward pass thinking you're going to love it go find that on itunes jonders thank you so much i really appreciate it everything man of course we'll catch you guys next time make sure to follow us on twitter personally at ffb unwrap you can follow me at perry aston you can follow adam at everyday ffb you can find us on podcast.com you can also find us on the apple podcast app thank you fanatic for your stat of the week, we're going to continue doing things with them, doing a more in-depth segment with them, but go download their app on the Apple App Store, an iOS-exclusive app. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy football this week, and we'll catch you guys next time.